It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors fall to the LA Clippers 108-100, and the big glaring question screaming at everybody in the face is, will the Raptors ever learn how to hit a freaking shot? We will examine that question, look at Fred Van Vliet's glorious tirade against Ben Taylor, and so much more with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1356 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. We are 17 subscribers away from 3,000 over on the tube. I would love that round number. My brain likes round numbers. Please join the chorus of folks who have already subscribed if you have not yet. It takes no time at all. It's free to do. You could probably just link it with your Google account and you're all set up if you need to set up a YouTube account. It'd be much appreciated if you did that and uh, help to uh, continue growing the little Lockdown Raptors YouTube family we got over there on YouTube. Hello, video friends. Uh, today's show, uh, we're digging into the Toronto Raptors. 108-100 loss to the LA Clippers in, uh, you know, really disappointing fashion. The game started off really promisingly. The Raptors were turning the Clippers over like crazy. Russell Westbrook was doing, you know, modern-day Russell Westbrook things, and it seemed like the Raptors might have the juice to win this one. As it turns out, their offense is in a bad kind of way. We will dig into that. Talk about Ben Taylor, Fred Van Vliet's bane of existence. We'll get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. We'll do it all with our pal Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Jamar, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, Better than the Raptors offense, I bet. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not a pretty sight these days as, uh, you know, they've had their moments, obviously, against the Nuggets. They certainly were able to score and looked pretty good. But against the Clippers team that is pretty switch-heavy, has a big imposing rim protector in Evita Zubats, and has the giant palms and arms of Kawhi Leonard mucking everything up, it got a little tricky for the Raptors in this one. They go 24 of 64 from two-point range in this game, Jamar. They get 25 more shots up than the Clippers do, and they cannot pull it out. Nonetheless, they get killed in the free-throw battle. We'll probably talk about that in the next segment a little bit. Um, mostly, we're just going to you know, bask in the glow of Fred Van Vliet's amazing press conference, but uh, we'll probably examine the free-throw disparity and all that. But Jamar, the offense, obviously an issue against the Clippers. It's been an issue now pretty much since the arrival of Jakob Pertl. And I think a big part of it is the lack of space. They can't really afford their good three-point shooters to not have good three-point shooting nights. They got a one of five from Gary Trent Jr. last night and just not enough volume elsewhere. They actually shot pretty well as a team, 41%, but 
the two-point battle, they just got smushed. And, uh, you know, there's maybe some burgeoning trends here that should be concerning to some folks, or maybe not. What do you think about the Raptors' offense right now? Are you concerned about the way things have looked since Jakob Pertl arrived? Since that time in the last 11 games, they are 21st in offense with a 111 net rate or offensive rating. They're actually a negative net rating team since Jakob Pertl arrived. You have, I think, that Cavs game kind of muddies things because it was such a blowout. But, Jamar, level of concern about the Toronto Raptors' offense after a night where they were literally, it seemed, one-minute stretch of hitting a few shots in a row away from running away from this game at any point. Um, I've been concerned with the Raptors' offense since preseason. Since last season, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and um, Jakob has brought some new wrinkles to the offense where you can put him in the high post and he can find cutters, and he's been a great uh, pick-and-roll threat with Fred or Scotty or even, or Pascal. He's, you know, he's added new elements to the offense. To be honest, I was surprised about those numbers you told me a little bit uh, mm. because of those wrinkles. And I know there was a, a little bit of a stretch before the All-Star break where they were missing Fred, so that didn't help the offensive numbers either. But still, I didn't expect them to have a negative net rating since uh, <laughs> Jakob arrived because it seemed like, for the most part, everything was good with his arrival. Like, he was helping things in, in with his arrival. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's funny that we're talking about the offense on the night where the Raptors shot over 40% from three because that's <laughs> normally been the big issue where they can't knock down threes. OG Ananobi in particular, his three-point shot seems to be back uh, because he had struggled a little bit after the wrist, uh, coming back from the wrist injury, but he made three threes against Denver and then we went four for seven uh, yesterday. But it's, first of all, the spacing – the spacing doesn't help uh, mm-hmm. with going with the big lineup, and you're basically putting Scotty at the two guard, who like a two a shooting guard they can't really shoot yet. That mm-hmm. never helps. So um, it and basically this game was a microcosm of a lot of this season where, you know, the Raptors have a style they want to play. You talked about, you know, forcing the turnovers early. They forced seven turnovers in the first quarter. They got out in transition. They had 10 more shots in the first quarter alone. I think it was 23 to 13. So, you know, they, when they're able to play that way, that's cool. But once teams figure things out as the Clippers uh, turnover weight went way down as the, as the game went on, then it's like, you get these mucky, ugly uh, half court, offense uh possessions where it almost looks like they're forcing shots um some transition opportunities after that even weren't great and i think pascal's hit kind of a little bit of a wall again on the road another another road trip where he hasn't been his best and yeah overall it's just it's It's clunky yeah it's 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 ugly it's ugly to watch and we put and you know we had that on display for espn uh this time so everybody (laughs) got to see it always great when that happens yeah that's why we don't have a lot of national tv games but yeah yeah. it it, it, uh, it's 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 ugly sometimes man if they're not if they're not forcing turnovers and getting out in transition and that that's always been my problem like that can't be your main source of offensive surges Mm -hmm. and for a while now, not just this season, last season, it, it just seems like that can't be your primary game plan. And it mm-hmm. just, it's been that way for too long. And I don't know how to remedy that problem, but I know the Raptors have been, been middle of the pack basically offensively all season long. 
And they were floating top ten for a while, Jamar. Yeah, I know Flirt top and, ten. I know, and, but it's the it's got to be the ugliest top ten. Because so, sometimes when you watch, <laughs> like even yeah, when you say they were flirting with top ten, I I know early in the season like that. But how many games do the Raptors have a three, four, five, six minute drought where they don't score a single field goal? You see oh, that yeah. every game. So mm-hmm. it kind of boggles my mind that they were ranked so high offensively earlier in the season. But yeah, how would you remedy this? Because I don't know. Well, so I do think, like, we've seen a change in process since Pirtle arrived, I would argue, right? Like, in fairness to, like, the the aesthetic side of things, like the anecdotal, the numbers aren't there, obviously, but I think it is a feeling out process, right? You insert a massive piece of a type of player they haven't played with in two, three, four years, it's going to take some time to adjust. They're adjusting to the spacing. The spacing is obviously a little bit cramped with Scotty not being a shooter right now. Pascal kind of waxing and waning. It depends, I think, on the night whether or not teams really care about him as a shooter. And, you know, so that that's there. But, like, I think the process-wise, they've, ran, they've run a, a ton of Fred Yak pick and roll, and that's been dynamic. Those two guys on the floor together have driven really good offense. They found some stuff with those bench lamps as well, uh, which Nick Nurse, uh, you know, curiously went away from last night. I kind of think maybe he outfoxed himself a little. He was like, staring down a team that plays the way he wants to play and was like oh, oh god we gotta go small we gotta like you know change up what's worked the last couple of games here and i think maybe he just overthunk it a little that's besides the point but the process has been different obviously yakapurdo running from the elbows that's been super effective you've gotten lots of off-ball buckets cuts under the basket that type of thing there's more diversity in the way they play I think it's a combination of Pascal maybe not having the legs. He's like just accrued so many minutes. I think he's leading the league in total minutes since he came back from injury. Uh, that has to be a factor here. It's sort of like a, a a mini example of the Kyle Lowry thing from 2014-15 where you know he had to carry the team for such a long stretch as everybody was playing poorly. Siakam did, similar to Lowry back when DeMar got hurt in 2015, and he just kind of decayed over the course of the season and didn't really get right until the next year. That might be what's going on with Pascal here. But I do think part of this is just matchup against the Clippers in particular. They switch a ton. They, you know, because you don't have to have, you know, for example, Kawhi was guarding Pascal more often than not last night. And anytime Pascal's off the ball, you can kind of cheat off him a little bit because you're not super concerned about him ruining you from three the same way you're, you're worried about, say, a Yak and Pirtle, or sorry, Yak and Fred pick and roll killing you the way it has over the last couple of weeks here. And so Kawhi just blew up so many of those, of those Yak, Pirtle, uh, sorry, those Yak, Fred pick and roll actions. It just, it completely nuked them with his hands, his arms getting in there. Uh, Zubats is a really good player. It's like the first time we've seen Pirtle lose a center matchup really since arriving in Toronto as well. So I think a few factors came in matchup wise, you know, t- tough shooting nights for some certain guys who maybe you expect better from most nights against the Clippers in particular. And I do think grand scheme, the process we've seen since Pirtle arrived will eventually lead to better results. I just don't know if it's going to happen before the end of this season. It may be more of a next season question where, you know, the swing skills of Scotty Barnes's shooting and Precious Achua's shooting, which has completely gone away. And it was such a leaned upon factor coming into the year of, oh, Precious going to shoot the way he did down the stretch last season. Things are looking good. That's not happened. They need those swing skills to be, you know, vastly improved over the offseason to really make this work long term. It might be a lost cause and the defense might have to save them down the stretch here. But I think I think they have a chance of doing that. They defended pretty well last night, all things told, outside of, you know, transition, which has kind of been their bane of late. Um, 
any you know sort of stray observations about the offense things that you would like to see now that yak is here that maybe we haven't seen or, or guys who kind of figure in as very key players to potentially swing the results in the way that i think the process has portended over the last little while here i just think it comes down to they just need i i think it's a personnel thing i just think they need mm. more shooters to like yeah. help space the floor um, yeah. And I, I know that the Clippers, in theory, are a good defensive team and they have Kawhi and they have Paul George and they have a center that can, you know, uh, create some problems in the paint. But I'm just going over the, the previous six games where mm. the Clippers were allowing the most points in the entire league. They were allowing over <laughs> 131 points. Now, a lot of that was obviously spiked due to the ridiculous 176 175 double overtime um game against the kings but that same game they allowed 153 points in regulation so it was still a hell of a lot their last game against memphis without john morant without uh there's other guys missing on that team but basically yeah. yeah yeah they allowed a 51 point quarter yeah. So it's not like they've been locking teams down. They've actually been horrible defensively lately. So, and just the fact that the Raptors only ended up with 100 and, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Pascal uh, being guarded by Kawhi for most of the game. I remember he was trying to post them up like late in the last couple minutes when the Raptors were, I think, only down by six and trying to, you know, make something happen. One of those late mm-hmm. fake comebacks or whatever you want to call them. And he couldn't, he couldn't move Kawhi at all. But basically, it, I, don't, I don't know. It just, I hear what you're saying about the matchup, but it kind of grinds my gears where everybody's been going off on the Clippers and then the Raptors get stifled. Yeah, no, that is uh, an extremely good counterpoint to my, uh, hey, actually, the process is good, guys. <laughs> like, no, but at some point, you just got to score on the team that has shown that it can be scored on. Right. Um, and they did not do that. Again, 24 of 64 is like an outlier, horrible game shooting from two. Uh, on non-restricted area twos last night, Jamar, they shot eight of 33. That's Jeez. typically like their zone, right? Like that's where Pascal typically has the touch. That's Scotty's best area for shooting. That's Yak's zone as well. That's sort of long floater range. They stunk it up from that area last night. They also give up 23 of 28 at the rim last night as well. And that was the battleground in which they completely lost this game. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think long term the offense can work. It requires internal development of shooting and that is going to be just like a massive massive offseason storyline for the raptors can they get the internal development from a scotty barnes or a precious achua that they thought they were going to get coming into this year that hasn't quite happened we shall see i got more on scotty a little bit later on as well some concerning shooting splits from him this season but we'll do that in a little bit in the good the bad and the home on the other side we're going to get into fred van vliet tearing into ben taylor which is always a fun time i wish we saw it more because it was an absolute blast to watch that when i woke up this morning we will get to that in just one sec before we do that however must tell you but our dear friends at nissan who are bringing you the nissan aria electric player of the week Brought to you again by the all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And this week's Electric Player of the Week, it's a tough, you know, we're talking about a team that's having a hard time scoring the ball right now. uh, And no one's really doing it all that well for the Raptors over the last four games here in the last week. But Jakob Pertl 
is leading the team in scoring in that time. 17.3 points a game, 7.5 boards, two and a half assists, two steals, a block and a half. We love Jakob Pertl because he is, of course, elegant and graceful. He's fierce and stunningly powerful when he gets into the lane and can throw down those dunks underneath. Uh, you know, those float shots are elegantly beautiful as well. Brilliantly fierce. All the things you expect in the Nissan Aria are being embodied by Jakob Pertl every single damn time he steps on the floor for the Raptors since arriving in Toronto. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We continue on here with your first listen of the day. Jamar Hines has his finger raised. Uh, no, are you checking that, the wind there, Jamar? <laughs> no, the, no, that 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 Jakob tie into the ad just cracked me up. That's all. <laughs> Go on, continue. I'm a professional, Jamar. Uh, I don't know what to say. Um, let's uh, let's dive on into Fred Van Vliet, shall we? Who had some things to say about the officiating last night. Uh, I'm not going to play the whole clip. You've probably seen it already, and I don't want to have to do all that editing uh, to get all the swears out, but uh, essentially some some passages, if you will, from Fred Van Vliet's postgame. Of course, he got a tech in the third from Ben Taylor, who has been a ref who, you know, shouts to Scott Foster, of course, the OG, but Ben Taylor has come around and been kind of a nemesis for the Raptors this year. Doesn't seem like him and Nick Nurse get along at all. You can kind of see the animus when those two just like are in the vicinity of one another. Nick seems to not have much time for the guy. And just like anecdotally, he seems like kind of a, hey, look at me, I'm the referee type of referee, which uh, <laughs> not never great. Fred Van Vliet last night, Quote, I don't mind. I'll take a fight. I don't really care. I thought Ben Taylor was effing terrible tonight. On most nights, out of the three, there's one or two that F the game up. Uh, well, let's see if there are other passages for him to get into here as well. Uh, I, I lost the page. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of it. There's like It's like a minute-long clip of him laying into the officiating. I think the jurisdiction and the power trip that we've been on this year with some of our officials in the league is getting out of hand, and I'll take my fine for speaking on it. Most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs. They're trying hard. They're pretty fair and communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be uh, dicks <laughs> and just kind of F up the game, and no one's coming to see that. They come to see the players and I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was and it's been disappointing this season I said at the start of the season I was going to take a solemn no ref talk vow but the Raptors is making it so we have to talk about the referees I don't think the referees were the reason a lot the Raptors lost this game last night it should be said they again shot 24 of 64 on twos that is why they lost this game but Fred obviously did not appreciate the technical foul 
it sounds as though it was over something pretty measly. He was like addressing his own team just to like battle through the bad calls they were getting. And that peeved Ben Taylor enough to give him the T thoughts on uh, all of this. Jamar, you wrote the recap on it this morning for Raptors Republic. Do you have any sort of takeaways from the Fred Van Vliet lambasting of Ben Taylor, Scott Foster, and the, uh, the ref shows that have been going on around the league this season? I don't know if it's like, more this year than other years i kind of just think refs are always bad and there's always going to be a few who want to be the star of the show but what were your impressions of fred uh very much costing himself some money hopefully not games but certainly some money last night (laughs) i loved it honestly man I, the last time I was here is when Boucher had his free throw line dunk, and I said that that was probably the highlight of the season. I think the highlight <laughs> of the Raptors season wasn't even on the court. This was the highlight. It's the leading post on ESPN right now. Okay? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And a lot of – Fred is saying a lot of what a lot of – um, I don't know why I'm saying a lot so much, but Fred is basically saying what many other players have wanted to say for a while. Of course. It's, he's, he's not Everybody hates the refs. It's something everyone can agree on. The refs all stink. <laughs> I don't want to say they all. Obviously, there's ones better than others. But of course. Yeah, it's, Shouts but... to Billy Kennedy. We like Bill Kennedy, <laughs> among others. <laughs> Especially when he's making his... Uh... He, he really gets up to make those uh, calls on the oh, mic. Oh, yeah. I just want to listen to a <laughs> podcast of Bill delivery. Kennedy doing announcements into the <laughs> mic. It's just really all I want. <laughs> but no, um, I agree that obviously this game, you could say something different for the Denver game, but this game wasn't like... I don't think that the refs really impacted this game for Fred to have that rant. It was more so a carryover from the Denver game, which yeah. ironically Fred said he was going to keep his money, but then two days later, you know, forget that. But, he did a little yeah. look at the money. He talked to his financial advisor. They deemed it was okay. <laughs> I, I can afford this. But yeah, there is obviously carryover from that game. And there was a free throw disparity uh, the Clippers shot, I think 17 more free throws than the Raptors. But overall, I didn't think this was, there was not like moments in this game where I'm like, wow, that was a horrible call. I don't think this game was terribly officiated. No. That, and I don't that, even think the Raptors like did their usual complain to the refs no. incessantly thing either. They seemed no. like they kind of reined it in a little. Right. And um, that on the broadcast, I didn't see any replays or any looks where it's like, uh, Fred warranted that technical. So I no. do agree with him that that was just simply BS because even Matt Devlin and Apple Warnings were all confused. Yeah. So um, when it comes to repercussions from the rant, um, obviously he's going to pay a hefty fine. Uh, I compare it. The only comparison I have off the top of my head, ironically, a game against the Raptors was <laughs> when Shaq uh, on live TV was like, uh, the reason why David Stern is losing money is because, you know, people pay good money to see these players play and the refs try to take over the effing game. And then the reporter is like, Shaq, you're on live. He's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that he got a one game suspension for, but that mm-hmm. was on the live broadcast as opposed to this was a post game presser. Now, yeah. Fred, Fred swore like about 15 times more than Shaq, but <laughs> I see the NBA coming down hard fine wise to like you know stand behind their refs if he were to get something as high as 100k wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. but i think he's going to avoid, hopefully because i mean this is a really bad time for a fred suspension but yeah they badly need him on the floor They're like yeah, so, they can't afford to not have him yeah but hopefully he uh avoids the suspension but that was the most eloquently <laughs> with profanity 
uh, ripping of the refs I've seen in a long time. Like we have, you know, you've had uh, OKC's coach. You had uh, what's his name, Fisdale. They kind of mm-hmm. both kind of did the take that for data type of thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it it wasn't it wasn't like this. I haven't played, seen a player go off like this in a while. And Fred just did not give a rat's ass anymore. And it was just it was just beautiful to watch. There was just his raw thoughts, and that was it. And he did not care. And it's very rare where you get to see something like that. Mm-hmm. So that is my Raptor highlight of the year. I don't care if it has nothing to do with anything on the court basketball-wise. It's a good basketball play. That's my highlight of the year. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, has Fred Van Vliet doomed the Raptors to, like, any time they play Ben Taylor for the rest of time, you, getting you the also, wrong side of the whistle? Maybe, but probably yeah. worth it because it was awesome. Uh- <laughs> so just one thing. Um, so... Uh, there's been a couple posts by uh, Kritika and also uh, Josh Lewinberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred has eight technicals, leads the team this season. Mm-hmm. Five of them have been from uh, Ben Taylor. Mm. So, you know. I think it was three from Ben Taylor, four of the games in which he was officiated by Ben Taylor, which yeah. they, they've been officiated six times by Ben Taylor, as Kritika pointed four out. Four of the six. And four, four of the six, he's received a tech. Three from Taylor, one from another ref on the crew. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, not great. Uh, it seems a, to be maybe a, something there. It's a version of the um, Scott Foster, Chris Paul type thing without the <laughs> record. I don't know the win-loss record in Ben Taylor Raptor games. I, that that Pelicans game was ugly, and that, that technical where he got ejected was really weird, and that was an ugly game in itself. But, uh, yeah, I wonder what the win-loss record is in Ben Taylor games. Yeah. Can we also just stop ejecting players in general? Like, what are we doing? Like, it, it, it's you're we're adults here. If you you sign up to be your ref, knowing you're going to get screamed at for a living, uh, and, it's it's an occupational hazard. Uh, stop being so short with your fuse and uh, just I, I don't know. It seems ridiculous to me that it's just like let's toss these guys out because they said mean words. Wah! It's not even just that. It's the inconsistency where you'll see. Yeah. Hell, a month ago, we saw uh, Patrick Beverly pick up a freaking camera and take it to the refs. It's like, that's a foul. I mean, he got a tech. He didn't get ejected, yeah. though. It's like, yeah. and I just go back to the Denver game where Scotty had no technicals. And then he's yeah. like, he, he, he basically said that they're cheating. And he got ejected for that. And then you have dudes bringing a camera, pointing it, and they get no ejection. So the inconsistency is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I have to say, uh, shout out to the referees union, which is very clearly a very strong union, which is always a good thing, uh, because these refs just like don't seemingly have any way of getting admonished when they do things like this or when they very clearly screw things up. It's just like, oh, last two minute report. We'll move on to the next game. Um, and again, I don't want to keep on talking about the refs. They didn't lose this game because yeah. of the refs. We have to talk about it because Fred's the biggest story in basketball this morning. But um, in general, like, uh, you know shoot better and you'll probably uh you know have some better luck that said you know the raptors in this game take 64 shots from two-point range a whole lot of them let me just check again the the hard numbers not a lot of mid-rangers in this one they shoot 53 shots from uh inside the paint they only get 14 free throws that feels again it's not like a conspiracy and i want to make that clear like i don't think there's some like uh gambling driven thing against the raptors i don't think there's some conspiracy against canada the raptors literally won an nba championship like the 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 conspiracy against canada thing is totally dead but refs are just bad at their jobs a lot and it manifests itself in ways that really usually comes at very inopportune times and makes you feel like your game has been sort of shifted or, or, or robbed from you and that's a totally fair way to feel as long as you're not going down the whole everyone's out to get the Raptors kind of thing. Just no, thing. they're just they don't discriminate. They're bad against every they're bad for everyone. They stink. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> just just one thing though. Uh, Louis Zatzman pointed this out. A very weird stat when you talk about all, especially the the, the shot attempt disparity that the Raptors, because the Raptors took uh, twenty five more shots than the Clippers. They're mm. actually zero three when they take twenty five or more shots than their opponent this season. That's wild. I know. It's <laughs> crazy. That's incredible. And um, if I let me see if I can, because I have it in my recap. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. At the beginning here. Yeah. So it's the first time a team has gone winless in three such games since the Miami Heat in two thousand two, two thousand three. That was the year where they were horrible. They got the fifth pick and they drafted Dwayne Wade in the draft. Yeah. Uh, pretty impressive. Very impressive, I suppose. It's really yeah. hard to do that. Yeah. Like, they're really good at this one very specific thing that is bad, actually. But uh, <laughs> good for them, I suppose. We'll come back on the other side. Speaking of things that are good, we'll talk about a good thing, a bad thing, and a hmm thing from the Raptors' loss to the Clippers. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however got to tell you about our dear friends over at Built Bar who make the best tasting protein bars in the game. I can't speak their gospel enough because they're amazing. They're delicious. And for a guy like me who has a sweet tooth, who is constantly looking for that next midnight snack, it's a really good thing when I got Built Bars in the fridge. Put them in the fridge, by the way. They're way better in the fridge. Uh, but it's great because I can go to the fridge and not feel like, oh, I got to go and, and make myself. I'm going to have some ice cream or I'm going to have a candy bar. Instead, I'm just going to have myself a built Bar. I'm going to feel like I'm cheating. But in fact, it's really not all that bad for me. And in fact, it's good for me. I got 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just uh, or, sorry, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. That is a wonderful set of macro details on each of your built Bars. Tons of great flavors for you as well. Peanut butter brownie remains top of the pops for me, but you got fruit flavored, you know, Raspberry, orange, all down the line. You got peppermint, almond, things like that as well. All sorts of really good, delicious flavors. And of course, they're marshmallow puffs, they're granola bars, all sorts of different types of bars for you to have as well. And now you don't got to go and wait around for a box by ordering it on the website. You can, though. You can go to built.com peruse their their list of flavors and then order yourself some or you can just go to walmart baby walk into walmart pick up a four box of your favorite flavor you can also if you're in the states go to sam's club we don't got sam's club here anymore in canada but you can go in the states pick yourself up a 13 box at sam's club and you will be laughing go get yourself some built bars do it this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Digging into the Raptors' loss to the Clippers. A fired-up episode here, I'd say. Uh, and let's get to the good, the bad, and the hmm, shall we? The way we close it every Raptors recap episode. A good thing, a bad thing, and a thing that has us a little intrigued or interested or, you know, any sort of stray observation to close out the show. Let's go to the good. Jamar, what you got for your good? I mean, Fred was the most entertaining thing, obviously, hands down. <laughs> I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give my OG back. I'm gonna go back to the uh, shooting. I'm gonna give it back yeah. to OG because he was 
only one of two Raptors that hit 50% of their shots. The other one was Jakob this game. Everybody else was way under. Well, actually, no, Boucher off the bench as well. So three Raptors. I was thinking about starters for a second. But uh, OG made four threes. I had mentioned that he'd been struggling with his shooting. His shooting seems to be on point now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's still kind of hit or miss when he takes these shots. Uh, But I feel like he's been in more of a flow uh, with the with the team offensively because when he had just come back from injury it was almost like he didn't know where to get his shots i remember yeah. the game in cleveland he had one shot in the first half and it was just like okay you can't shoot this little like you have to be an offensive presence in some way mm-hmm. so it looks mm-hmm. like he's figured that out in the last few games so that's my good not a lot yeah. of good but that's one no i think for sure that was my good as well uh okay. just like the general og game four to seven from deep 18 points like three steals it's kind of a perfect og game right like i don't think you're asking him to go out and be a playmaker for you on this team you're asking him to finish possessions where the ball swings to him you're asking him to finish on back cuts you know getting hit by yak or, or scotty or pascal or whomever and i think there's going to be enough volume there of those sort of opportunistic opportunistic end of play buckets that he's going to be able to get his looks up and the defense has been og level defense obviously Kawhi gets his uh but he doesn't like go off for some sort of absurd performance against og i think he's like four of eight in the possessions og guarded him uh Kawhi is going to do that Kawhi looks incredible i might talk about Kawhi in a little bit but uh yeah j- just a really really nice og game and i think it seems like that wrist injury is maybe kind of uh you know wearing off and he's getting back to his regular form and comfort which is great what you got for your bad so my bad is not just for this game, but uh, this month of March and even before that in general. But uh, Precious is out of it. Man, he, is he ever. Whew. Yeah, this is only the second time all season that he's gone scoreless. Um, his Obviously, I think the arrival of Jakob really messed up his role and I guess mentality mm. in general his minutes have gone down from 25 a game in February to 15 a game in March and uh yesterday he was basically just doing cardio out there he, <laughs> I mean I, I think he played 12 minutes or something but it's just like I, I did he do anything on the court he was worse? a team best plus three Jamar Jeez. <laughs> Plus, the plus minus stat really lies sometimes. <laughs> oh, it sure does. But <laughs> the yeah, Pinocchio he's a, stat, if you yeah, will. Yeah, he's in a he's in an absolute funk where it, it feels like, like I mentioned with OG not knowing what to do, when to do it, when he just came back. That's precious right now, where it's just like, yeah, he comes off the bench, but it's kind of like I don't even know what you like the DJ yeah. Khaled thing. What does he even do? The extreme, uh, like he's as much as Jakob Pertle is the king of knowing where to stand. Precious right right now is not knowing where to stand at all. He's the jester of knowing where to stand. And look, it doesn't take a lot to justify having Precious on the floor because his defense is incredible. Like he he, right. he can guard any player on the floor. He can guard capably. He's that fast he's that mobile he's that fluid with his defensive positioning all of that uh it doesn't take a lot to justify him being out there which is like a little tiny bit of offense just a little wee bit and he can't get there right now the shooting i mean they're gonna have to really i think you know reconstruct the jumper or whatever just kind of try to figure out what's been lost from the end of last year to this year because it looks so clean and pure last year i'll never uh, forget that pull up three against philly last year uh, where he just ran down the court i'm like are you kidding me i i, I haven't <laughs> seen a play like that from precious this season unfortunately but, yeah you know i don't think 
there's ever been a single individual shot taken in a game that has done more PR for a player's reputation than that one pull-up three by Precious, and uh, it certainly, I think, has led to maybe a bit of a disappointment this year on the offensive end for him as far as, like, performance versus expectations, but, like, this was one of their bets coming into the season, right? It's the reason they didn't do a ton in the offseason. It was, we got internal development to happen here, and it stagnated with Precious on offense. Obviously, there have been good stretches for him this year where it's looked really great, and the defense, I think, is going to play no matter what, but at some point here, the shot's got to fall, and the three-pointers from him are going to be uh, like a total necessity. It's just been completely lost. That is not good. My bad uh, also on a young guy developmental track thing, and look, all this stuff could end up rosy and sunshine in, in, in a year or two or whatever. But uh, Scotty Barnes, really off on his touch, especially from two-point range this season. Uh, and, you know, last night was a big example. Obviously, he kind of went sicko mode in the final few minutes, trying to salvage that game, getting every single offensive board, many of which off his own misses. Um, but, you know, he was doing his best to do the kind of bowling ball, let me get into the paint and then figure things out from there, kick out to guys, try to score myself, all of that. But he's just not finishing right now uh, with anything resembling uh, efficiency from two-point range. Last year, he shot 54% from two-point range. He's down now to 48.9%. Like, that's that's big. Like, you can't have that. And every single area of the two-point range, he is down. He's down at the rim from 71% to 67%. From 3 to 10 feet, he's down from 50% to 43%. From 10 to 16 feet, he's down from 40% to 26%. 16 feet to three-point range, down from 38% to 34%. His only area of the floor in which he's actually improved his shooting percentage this season is three-point range from 30.1 to 30.3. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and look, do I think this is going to be a long-term thing where, where Scotty Barnes uh, perennially struggles with his touch around the basket? I don't think so. We've seen that he's got the touch in moments. We've seen that he can get to his looks basically whenever he wants in that sort of long, you know, short mid-range, you know, even regular mid-range. Uh, like, he can get to those looks. It's just it's he's having a hard time converting them this season. Obviously, it's got to come around. It's not just the three-point shooting he has to improve with. It's just his overall offensive touch. Do you have any, like, concerns long-term about this issue for Scotty? Obviously, I think you got to give him a little grace just because... He's been asked to do a lot of different things this season, playing a lot of different roles, and right now... Exactly I think what I was is... about to say. There you go. Go off then, King. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you literally just said exactly what I was going to say, that I, I'm going to yeah. give him grace because he's played so many different roles. There's been games where he's he you know he's had to be the point. There's games mm-hmm. now where, he's, where he is not a two-guard, but he's being slotted at the two-guard. There's yeah. games where he's playing as a big, which was his most efficient games. But yeah, he's been all over the place. Uh, so... It's been obviously, you know, the touch has to improve. The overall shooting has to improve. You would hope that that's a point of emphasis going into this offseason. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to give him rope. He's only obviously he's only in his second year and maybe he becomes it mechanically. It's robotic. And I, I'm not sure how fluid you can make that because, you know, mm. that's something we've also said about OG about, you know, sometimes his offensive moves or shot is is robotic and you know years later that hasn't really changed all that much so i don't last night baby (laughs) just canning those pull-up jimmies (laughs) so yeah so i don't i don't know what a uh a shooting scotty would look like two years from now three years from now but yeah because he's played so many different roles this season i do cut him slack in that regard 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll be able to make any grand judgments about Scotty Barnes's ceiling or whatever is going to come down the line from him until at the very earliest, the end of next season, and probably long after that because he's 21 years old and mm-hmm. development is not the same for everybody. Some guys are meteors and are you know amazing right away. Other guys, it's a bit more of a slow burn and it's more of an incremental growth. Uh, I think he has he has like the natural ability and sort of basketball vision and all of that. Where I think it's probably going to end up all right with him, but certainly not what you want uh, this season from Scotty from two point range. And last night was maybe one of the worst examples of it that we've seen so far. Uh, let's get to the hmm very quickly. My hmm is uh, is pretty simple. It's uh, hmm. It'd be really nice to have Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors, wouldn't it? Oh, and six since he's been gone against yeah. Kawhi. So. Yeah, it's uh, he's very good. He uh, would be a, a, an absolutely perfect player on this Raptors team. Let me tell you. I think he gets up for those games, too. I remember yeah. they had a back-to-back in Detroit and then in Toronto, and he sat at the Detroit mm. game so he could play against Toronto. I'm sure he'll yeah. like up for these games. So Yeah, for sure. What's your hmm? <laughs> to be honest... I already, I already, I just realized I already spoiled my hmm from earlier in the sh- in the show when I brought up the zero and three stat when they were up. Uh, mm. I mean, when they're taking twenty five. Yeah, that was actually my hmm, but for some reason I ruined it. I don't know why. That's all right. I, I had it's that save, and then it's I, a I pretty remarkable it. stat. It's yeah, I, I so think it's, it's all worth right reiterating. That we it out early. Yeah, yeah, it's worth reiterating. <laughs> but yeah, that was my hmm. I just ruined it early. Zero and three without shooting the other team by twenty five attempts or more. That is. Yeah. That's weirdest, like art. It's like day. art basketball. The Raptors <laughs> do art. Uh, shout out Serge Ibaka. We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Jamar, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Yes, yeah, my Twitter handle, Jamar, B-H-J-A-M-A-R-J-A. I can't even spell my own name. J-A-M-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-
round out the week, look at the Lakers game, and send you off into your weekend. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as the Buds are very, very good and going towards the playoffs, in which they're probably going to get trucked by the Boston Bruins if they don't get trucked by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. But Mike and Dave will have it all covered for you on the way to said trucking, and we'll round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you Friday. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.